Hi, friends. This is Shadima, also known as the Type A Hippie, and this is the Type A Hippie podcast, SheCast episode 59. And I am on with a friend that I've attempted to round up to get on this podcast for a really long time, but she's hella busy. You know how it is in all the best ways. Um, her name is Maintenay Washington, and I'll tell you a funny story before I let her introduce herself to you all. So first, welcome. Glad you're here. Hi. Yes, thank you for having me here. Oh, totally. I'm so glad that you are here. So funny story, and this is kind of, we'll dig into this a little bit more. So Maytini is a woman of color, at least from my knowledge, that's how she identifies, and I am also a woman of color, and we look nothing alike, not even a little bit, besides that we're both beautiful, inside and out. (laughs) So um, from what I hear, (laughs) people have said that. but definitely I know that to be true about Maytony. So one time we were at a, like a VIP kind of um, pre-gathering, like a cocktail event on a Friday night. And I was actually leaving and she was coming. And as I was leaving, someone stopped me and started talking to me really excitedly about stuff I had no information on, Right. So she had clearly misidentified me. She thought that I was someone else. And the person she thought I was was Maytony. So when this podcast goes live, there will be a headshot. And I will show you that we don't look anything alike. (laughs) We don't look anything alike. So I said, I think you're mistaken. And she said, no. And I said, who do you think you're speaking to? And she said, Maytony. And I said, oh, well, I'm not Maytony. I love her and I'm not her. And she really insisted that... I was actually Maytony, even though I'm telling her, because it's me, right? <laughs> I'm telling her that I am not who you think I am, and she is insisting that I am. So friends, that is, and this woman, bless her heart, was a white woman. Um, that is some of what we're going to dig into in this um, this podcast episode. It'll be short and sweet and to the point. And so I ended up going back in because I just had to find Maytony because I didn't see her when I was there. And in fact, when I went back out again, she and I connected and we just had a lovely conversation outside of the venue. And I told her what had happened and we got a chuckle out of it. And so that is our funny story. But Maytony, tell everyone who you are in your own words. Hi, everyone. I, my name is Maytony Washington. I am an actor. I am an actor trainer, which is an English term, so it sounds kind of like I, I wrangle actors and use a bullwhip in, in a wrangling circus type of thing. It's not quite what I do. Um, but uh, I coach acting, and I am a yoga teacher. And, and I think this, the event that when question was a yoga event. So I think um, there's, there's, there's some stuff to unpack in that particular world too, but I'm excited to be here and fire away. I'd love to just yeah. jump right in with, with awesome. what you want to talk about. Gina. Yeah. So we uh, both lived at the time in Las Vegas. And so there was actually a limited number of women of color that were teaching yoga and there still is we can count we can count them on our hands yes exactly and so that could have been part of the confusion and at the same time 
when we, you see a side-by-side shot of us, you'll know that we're not the same person. Um, so how was your experience or how is your experience? Because I know that you travel a lot um, with your acting um, opportunities. And so how has your experience been teaching yoga in Las well, Vegas? Okay. Well, and anywhere um, else? I... I'm actually coming back from a hiatus of of having taught yoga sporadically. So I'm I'm first of all I'm going to be relocating to Atlanta. So that's nice. One of the reasons. One of the reasons. The main reason that I'm relocating to Atlanta is that there are more professional acting opportunities there but the second and it bumps up right against the first reason is that there is a plethora of blackness (laughs) all over Atlanta so you know I think that one of the things about being in a marginalized group is that you end up oftentimes being a token of that group and you don't necessarily get to in your peer circles in your friend circles in your relationship circles get to be a three-dimensional human being you get to be the black friend sure or you get to be the friend who's who's codified in some other manner right but so that's that's you know something that's exciting to me is that there's so many black people in Atlanta that there's a diversity of kinds of of black folk blackness doesn't mean one thing it's it's a it's it gets to be a multiplicity of things so but um yeah traveling and teaching yoga it, yoga is very white um period the end in the united states and my experience of it is very Western. My uh, teacher, who I absolutely love and admire and respect, Anna Forrest, is white, although she has um, clocked the hours of work and volunteering and training and experience and living that she has braided into the style of yoga that I teach forest yoga, uh, a lot of Native American medicine. And she has been invited to do that. So I think that she has particular dispensation to be able to do that. But yeah, my experience is often that I'm the first authority figure for a lot of people. And I, I'm, I'm using authority figure very loosely. Right? Sure. I'm the the first authority figure for a lot of people who is a woman of color um, or a person of color at all. Um, I think when we think about race and we think about racism and we think about white supremacy, and I use definitions that are this is going to take some time to unpack, but I use, I define racism and white supremacy outside of a, a moral construct. And I do that for a reason. I think that 
one of the things that we bump into when we're trying to create uh, something, create the possibility of a world without racism and a world without white supremacy, that when people are kind of called on a microaggression, like the situation that you just described at the top, that defense mechanism kicks in of, oh no, I don't want to be labeled as bad. (laughs) I don't want to be thought of as a bad person. I don't want to, you know, we, we do a lot to go out through the world and look good and look good can, can have different motives behind it. But at the end of the day, it's some form of looking good or looking altruistic or looking kind, generous. All those things are are different aspects of looking good. So when we are confronted with something that is like, oh no, I'm, I'm not going to look good to this person. There's a defense of, she put it back on you. It's like, it's not that, oh my gosh, it's not possible that I could have done something racist and i would define that situation as racist sure outside of it's 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 not about right or wrong or good or bad about a person's inherent goodness it is about whether i define racism as this is not a Merriam-Webster definition. I define racism as upholding white supremacy. And I define white supremacy as uh, the dominance of culture uh, and how it permeates through on macro and micro levels. It permeates through um, on a national level, on an international level, so really big macro but also socially, locally, familial level mm-hmm. and interpersonally. Totally. So that's, and that white supremacy, now when you get into someone like Dylan Roof killing nine people in a church in Charleston, that is a moral issue. Sure. There's no question about that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about an umbrella term of white supremacy that allows for the breadth of including when I judge myself or continue to judge myself against images of European beauty standards, mm-hmm. which I, which I've done my whole life. Like it, it's a, it's a check that's, that's become habitual. I'm talking about habits. I'm talking about things that are, subconscious or disconscious things that are that have to do with our neurology things having to do with the brain's shortcuts so that we are not taxed in every way possible moment to moment some people, especially in a school, I don't see race as actually a violent thing to say, in my opinion. Sure. 
and it's an untruth thing. So, um, uh, uh, that's that's my perspective on on this, and I think that the the only way through is to have a a meta level of mindfulness mm-hmm. to be mindful of your mindfulness that's what i mean that's but to be metacognitive to be thinking about your own thinking and that when things come up that are automatic it's not about oh i'm a terrible person for thinking that your mechanism for thinking that you're a terrible person is is a distraction from doing the work of oh what I clutched my purse when that black man just crossed the street. Why did I do see me and think that I'm racist and that and think that racist is the worst thing that someone could possibly think of someone else? For me, it, the baseline is you are racist. If you are listening to this, you are racist. You uphold white supremacy. I'm looking at Jadima right now. She upholds white supremacy. I'm talking to you. I uphold white supremacy. It's the, to the degree. The question is to what end, to what extent, to what degree, right? Sure. That's the question. That's an interesting question to solve and then to deconstruct and to do less of. So for me in my life, it was a thing about, I played with white dolls. All of the, all of my heroes were white. Leia, Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, Disney princess, and you know, I'm dating myself there. Um, and yes, sometimes they could be, you know, I don't care if, you, you know, you hear the trope of, I don't care if you're purple or green, <laughs> like, I don't right. care if you're black, white, purple or green. You know, there's all these fictional colors right. that, that get into That don't exist. Um, that, yes, um, that's not, that's, that, it would be very interesting if we, if we did have to deal with the reality of um, alien people that did have those colors. And I bet we would actually have preconceptions about them and the fact of the matter is we have preconceptions or we would go insane if uh someone really was able to do this thing of see a person anew like really anew every single time follow that that logic that would mean that person comes in front of you you do not know what this is you don't know you don't know if it's a rock you don't know if it's a house you don't know if it's an elephant right you it's just something in front of you so you'd have to figure that out you'd have to figure out every single aspect of that being that was in front of you that's not what happens our brains have evolved over millennia over millions of years of evolution so that we can recognize each other in tribal settings. We were built for recognizing groups of 150 people. The fact that we are in this world, in this country, in new 
experience, which is a, a globalized world, bump up with all kinds of people that are, are different right. from us, different by ethnicity and duality, by all kinds of things, right? That's new. That's an experiment. This is, we are living in a social experiment that has never happened before. The fact that we haven't all killed each other is a miracle because we were built for, for looking, for recognizing that which is the same. So that's my whole, that's my, that's my perspective about race, racism. And yes, race is a constructed, is a social constructed, sure. social construction. It's not like we are different breeds like right. how dogs are different grades. We are all, yes, we are all one. We are all the same. However, so I wanted to ask manifestations, you. We, we have, we have, we have created race and there are certain people deal with it in a more, they have to deal with it in, because of, because of those realities. So yeah, I'll let, what you asked me totally yeah no 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 it's true um you know it's it's similar to that thing of people saying and this is how i kind of explain privilege but white privilege in particular you know you mentioned the last thing you mentioned me to me was having to deal with right and there is this thing that we i mean when i was walking out i was going on to be with the rest of my people, like other community, right? And I was minding my own business and someone pulled me into their own stuff, right? Because she said hello to me thinking that she knew me. And in fact, she knew you <laughs> and she was confused, right? Um, mm -hmm. So I was about to continue with the rest of my life as you were, as she was, but then she drew me into her own stuff, which was not, accurate. I mean, and it, it played out the way that it did. Something interesting that you said um, about the mindfulness and awareness and that it's not helpful to go down the road of, I attribute it to pride and ego when I can't get out of my own way or out of my head, beating myself up about something that I've done wrong, instead of just taking the information and utilizing it in a way that will help me grow and move yes. towards a different thing, right? So I'm glad that you mentioned right. that mindfulness. Um, you said it's a miracle that we're not killing each other. So I want to journey down that path with you, if you will, and hear your thoughts on the fact that the emergence of the Black Lives Matter movement, um, because that arose out of the fact that black people, black bodies were dying um, in disproportionate amounts compared to white bodies, in particular related to law enforcement. Um, mm -hmm. Black men, black boys. And really now um, it has not been relegated to just men. And so I'm definitely using gendered language here in terms of two genders or binary gender, um, but black women as well. Mm -hmm. and even black, some black girls. So what are your thoughts on kind of Black Lives Matter and the unfortunate hashtag that came out of that of All Lives Matter or Blue Lives Matter? Okay, wow. Um, 
I think just because of the time of, of this recording, we have to talk about Justine Damon's. Yes. Um, so we have time. We have time. So, we'll just kind of go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so if you, I, this is just a super rough summary, but, sure. um, and I'm not an, I, I'm not an expert, but Justine Damon's is a woman who happens to be a yoga teacher. So I think there's actually, so you could dovetail there. She's, she was Australian and she was shot and killed after calling the police for, I think, to, I, I, I can't remember why she did, but she was concerned about something. So she called the police, police officer who came, who happens to come from this uh, Somali and Muslim community, shot and killed her. Now, a lot of people have pointed out that she she has been described as the most innocent victim of police violence that there has <laughs> there has ever been, um, discounting children who have been killed by accident and have not had. Um, chiefs of police fired or officers involved in those shootings um, suspended and the differences in in the color you know and how we construct white femininity and that there was something similar that happened in her own country in australia and australia is very similar to us uh formerly english country yep with a with a, a big swath of land and uh, that is now occupied by the descendants of white settlers and which which dis- displaced people of color in in that case over there the aboriginal people so there's there's still conflicts with aboriginal folks or descendants of aborigines because there's different permutations of that right mm-hmm. and um there was an instance of a child who was killed by a police officer who was brown, who was a descendant of an ab- uh, of who was an Aboriginal kid, mm. and that there was not the kind of outrage um, mm-hmm. over there as there was over here and globally. Like there's been a global outrage about this, and there's a there's a lot of coding. So coming back to this hashtag of Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter, as a comedian who, whose name escapes me right now, had did an entire bit about, it's not Black Lives Matter more, right. or only Black Lives Matter. It's just saying Black Lives Matter. Like they matter, like they matter. <laughs> And the fact that people dispute that and have kind of twisted it into a hate group, I've seen people liken it to terrorism yeah. to say that. Um, all kinds of, of, of distortions have been out there. Um, really, it is a cry of hello, let's let's look at let's look at these let's look at what happens disproportionately to people of color 
and how that is not in a vacuum. In fact, this is happening because of the legacy of slavery and the legacy of violence in this country. Um, and I do want to take a moment to, to point out that disproportionately native indigenous populations are targeted more, have, have, they have a higher body count yes disproportionately to black people yes and that's it's kind of it's kind of ridiculous it's sort yes. of like um in terms of in terms of violence it's you know there's genocide in this country of wiping out these people totally even st- even still even still there's like not even space to they don't get reparations they get no respect they are left with stereotypes about alcoholism and it's like where did that even come from um all of that like that's that's a whole thing yeah Um, no i agree and i i do want to take a moment to to acknowledge that and to i mean i don't even know what to say half the time and i'm very mindful of what i do say and my heart breaks when I think about that and it's something to be aware of. So I agree with you. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a, but is a, um, in terms of there's more, there are more black people than there are indigenous folks. Uh, and black lives matter is, is a movement that, that does, it is an umbrella term. It sure. is sort of in, it is an awareness of, hey, this is a, this is a prototype that is used, you know. Um, so Black Lives Matter also, I think a lot of people don't know this, which is sort of really lame, but it's just, it's just lame that it, it gets covered in, in a quagmire of stuff. But they developed Campaign Zero, which is which is positing this possibility of can we live in a world where police don't kill people? Right. Right. And that they have, if you Google campaign zero campaign zero was created by the, the women and men, but black lives matter was started by black, Mm. three black women. Mm -hmm. Um, Campaign zero was created by, by black lives matter. And it's talking about how do we it is a 10 point plan of how do we keep people from being killed by the police period the end no matter what their color is it is an acknowledgement of to say black lives matter is an acknowledgement of the disproportionateness about the about the the cultural habit that we have that depends on black people dying and being perceived as not being innocent because because to take on the load that you live in a country where innocent people die people who could have have benefited the society in some kind of matter through and they have been killed because of extrajudicial violence and i'm using that term to include vigilantism and not and police brutality right trayvon martin was killed by someone who 
took the law into his own hands. And that was a child who went to space camp, right? Right. His ambitions were in science and in, you know, in, 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 in aeronautics, right? Like who knows what his contribution could be, but we live in a, we live in a reality right now that is, it has to be okay. We have to be okay with people dying. And we can do that again. Our habit is we can do that if we think the people who are dead are less innocent right? or who, or who don't matter, who it's their, their lives don't matter as much as the, as those who are living. And that is, that's really what the attention is about. So when people say all lives matter, yes, of course all lives matter. But what we're bringing attention to is the disproportionate nature of extrajudicial violence and the sure. history of our country yeah. that is being scrubbed and ignored and in some cases rewritten. Yes. Like, like in Texas, mm-hmm. school books are, are reframing the slave trade, the transatlantic slave trade to transatlantic triangular trade. Musical metal instruments in the shape of triangles were not the subject of this trade. Okay, it makes it sound like transatlantic triangular trade sounds like we are trading little metal musical instruments that is not what right it was a trade of bodies of people for labor right it was it was you know slavery was about we are the economic superpower that we are because of the legacy of slavery yes if you create a business let's say let's say boom i'm gonna make you the ceo of a business a big uh, a business with really big ambitions i'm going to get you free labor that is worth the work of a hundred people for free or actually you know what you have a buy-in you have a buy-in of a thousand dollars and then you get this labor that you only buy once and there you go you've got all that labor your business is going to be banging because you get to keep all of the profits you don't have to redistribute that profits to anybody working for you that is that in a very cold way that is that is an analogy for slavery is how every big superpower has had to have an economic drive of a lot of people being paid either little or nothing at all and that is how we grew so fast from the revolution through until before the civil war was it was just america was a dinky little upstart it was a startup but fortunately for um certain people who were in a very few people they had bodies of people to depend on and we Mm -hmm. still live through that legacy and I think that if we look at our, at our contribution and what we have on our plate is just being from what we've known from our own limited lifetime, we are doing ourselves socially a disservice. Right. Because what is on our plate really is humanity. We, we exist in the blink of an eye, right? 
Right. Like our lives are, we are short lives, but, and so we sometimes put on our blinders and think just about, oh, I'm only responsible for like what's right in front of me. I'm only responsible for what my hopes and dreams and like my family and my neighborhood and being a good person. There's that idea again, right? That moral construct gets in the way of, of being able to think in a scale, in a God scale. Yeah. Which is globally. Yeah. Which is globally, which is also taking into account hundreds of years. Sure. Right. A, a tree, there are trees that exist now that have out that. That's right. That what that have existed through the before slavery existed sure. and, through, and have are still alive. And so yeah. existed beyond that, we have to think in the scope of, of a tree like that, that yeah. is able to, it's like that our work, the work that we're moving forward is affecting multiple generations after us. Yeah. No, I, I love that because I have more recently personally become, um, I'll have to tell you more about it offline, but I've, gotten involved in an organization, um, a company, a for-profit company actually called Seiko Designs. And Seiko Designs essentially is a bridge of hope between women in Uganda who have finished university or excuse me, uh, secondary school, right? They're the equivalent of their high school and are getting ready to start university. The problem is in Uganda, there's an 80% unemployment rate Mm -hmm. and there's gender inequality. So again, I'm speaking in gendered language. So men get more opportunity, even though it's still limited than women do. Women get pregnant, they get married and pregnant. And that's Mm -hmm. fine if that's what you want. It's not fine if that's all you get, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so for anyone who is happy about being a wife and a mother, I applaud you. That's awesome. But if that wasn't your true desire, then that's something to take a look at. So I'm not, everyone is free to their choices. And yet, if you want to continue to university, I feel like you should be able to continue to university. So how do we, how do we do that? And so these women are accepted into a nine month internship where they get paid a fair wage. Um, They also are fed three times a day and they live together in community. And so they're required to save 50% of their earnings. From there, Seiko Designs doubles it with matching funds, which is awesome. And as a Seiko fellow, I get to have Facebook events and live trunk shows and I get to participate. Um, My soul sister is Edith and she wants to go on to medical school. Now, um, then they get a surprise bonus scholarship at the end of the year provided certain requirements are met. Now, here's the thing. When I learned about ethical fashion, so I love the product and I, I love the mission first and I love the product. When I learned about ethical fashion and my, how I had contributed to fast fashion, my heart made to me was broken. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't stay there too long because I can't afford to, right? Mm-hmm. I have contributed to fast fashion because in college, Forever 21 was there. And every time we would be going out <laughs> for the night, you know, for the weekend, we would go to get something new because it's eight fifty, it's eleven fifty, it's it's cheap, you know. And as a college student, you can afford it. Well, I don't know where those things are, but they're probably sitting in a dump somewhere, like and not biodegradable. So I've contributed, you know, and I can't afford to. And so sometimes the people have said to Seiko fellows, "Well, I'm paying for my child to go to college too." And I applaud them. That's awesome. 
And there are no such thing as other people's children. So I can't afford, to your point, I can't afford to just think about myself and my family. I need to think more long in a long range approach, you know, and look at, so I look backwards, right? I go backwards to go forwards, but I can't afford to stay backwards either. Mm -hmm. I need to continue to move forward, but I can't afford to just be here, meaning I'm only thinking about what touches me because it all touches and I touch Mm -hmm. everything too, you know? So having a different, a broader approach can benefit all of us because we are all related. And once we realize that we're all related, I think some of these things have the potential to shift. If I think about you, you know, and what you're doing and what you're up to and what concerns you, because I can't say I care about you and I'm not concerned with things that concern you. Mm -hmm. That doesn't, Mm -hmm. that doesn't make sense. You were going to say something. I, well, I was going to say there's a a couple of thoughts that I had from what, from listening to you. So Really, I think there's something about there's something about choice and there's something about honesty. Okay. Sure. That I think and really what I'm speaking to is that if you are a person who says that they are that they care about making the world a better place or about social change or this and that, they have uh, in my opinion, they have to start at home, meaning you know, the house of the meat sack that they live in. Right. Um, that carries their brain around in their nervous system. <laughs> um, you know, that home. You have to start at home. Right. Uh, with, with the process of being, of becoming hyper aware, of being, of being metacognitive, right? And you have to be honest about your bandwidth to be able to do that. Right. Moment to moment and day to day. Because it is, it is a lot of work and to be able to, and to do any kind of work, even mental work is taxing. So that there's sort of, there's, there's that. So there's, there's being honest with yourself of like, what can I actually handle today? Sometimes it is, hey, I'm out and I'm fighting the fight and I'm doing the things and I'm undoing all of these other things. I'm doing and I'm undoing. Undoing also being work. You know, a lot of our work is undoing. And then sometimes it's, I'm going to binge watch this show and eat a cheesecake. Right. And I'm going to not give a flying F about anything that's happening anywhere. Sometimes that is the most honest thing to do. Sure. It's like, if that's actually what you want and you have the capability to take that as, a, as your action, then that's that's something that's honest, right? So that's what I have to say about that. And then there's mm-hmm. choice, right? Choice. People argue there's a philosophical argument to be made that there's that there is an illusion of choice. People have made that argument. I don't. I actually I, that for me oscillates. Sometimes I'm like, yes, we are in control and we can choose. We are responsible for ourselves and we have the ability to choose what's in front of us. And then I also go the other way and um, say that there's no choice. Choice is, is fabrication that does not really exist. So when you are in an economic reality where you make only so much money, whether you mm-hmm. are here in the United States or you are abroad right. in an emerging uh, economy, you only have so much choice. 
So that's right. I um, I applaud you for your choices to to work for this organization, and that you are confronting your way of confronting a global issue and a global impact is to look at fashion, to look at fast fashion. And I would say that the the young woman who takes pleasure in buying something beautiful that costs $8.99 at Forever 21 mm-hmm. isn't wrong. This is what I mean by moral. This is what I mean by totally. a moral construct, right? Totally. Morality is not useful in this situation to, to judge her or to That's penalize right. her or to penalize anyone who is um, poor or working class for their choices of where to get something pleasurable from. Like if someone, if someone is in dire straits right, and they, um, the most miraculous thing to them is to save for a pair of Jordans. I'm not going to say to them, that's right. You should have been saving your fucking money. Right. Excuse me. No, (laughs) you can, I was going to say when you said F, I was going to (laughs) say, you can, you can swear on this podcast. We keep it real. A hundred. Okay. Say to someone, you, um, how dare you in your situation not save me? Like, how dare you take your kids to Disneyland? You know, and and for some families, that's that's a reach of 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 a year or maybe several years. Right. That's right. Right. But they want to be. They want to experience. You know, because of because of our real because of our constructs. Some of that is capitalist and whatnot. And we could be like poo-poo capitalism. And yes, I will poo-poo capitalism. But Disneyland's an amazing place. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it's sold for a lot. And yeah, it's been sold to us over time for a long time. Sure. And yeah, that, that, is, a, that is not a, the reality of, of the, the ghost or of our spirit and what, you know, how we're going to evolve and blah, blah, blah is whatever. But I am not in a position where I can say that I am holier than thou and you, thou shalt not save money and take your family to Disneyland. So we all have, we all have um, choices or not choices in front right. of us that are, that are facilitated. I'm going to say facilitated, not limited, that are facilitated by what our realities are or how we at the time see what our realities are. So my, you know, the tools that you have, you know, as a yoga teacher or someone who is interested in spirituality and this and that, you may have more tools and you may see more expansively in a certain way, but that cannot be compared to someone else's experience. Right. And therefore you cannot judge and, and put a moral framework on that. So that's totally. just what I wanted to say about both of those things, yeah. because I tend to see that a lot. I tend to see, you know, why are such and such people not able to do this and get totally. out of their situation. Yeah. That's, that is really the dark side of, of, of being in this, in a so-called spiritual place. Right. Totally. It's like, I'm enlightened and therefore so-and-so are that's not. Right. Um, that's right. And, and because I'm a, this is the, I'm a good person. And if I'm a good person, then someone else is bad and I'm alive. I right. haven't been killed by the police. So therefore someone who was killed by the police must have done something wrong. Right. So, you know, that, that construct, I think how we construct morality is, 
there just needs to be unpacking. <laughs> yeah. No, so. it's no. So, so that's a perfect segue. So number one, you're going to come back on, um, maybe <laughs> after you get back to Atlanta. So I'm just making yeah. an executive decision. And if you're okay with it, that's cool. I'm sure to come back. Listen, listeners will, um, appreciate that. And number two, um, yeah, it's, you know what? I, I love what you just shared because it's true. Now I know. So I have an opportunity to do something different, right? And mm -hmm. if, if we possibly fashion it around like that of, okay, now I know. So maybe I can do something different in the future. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is less about what you're doing because I need to still mind my own business. What's, right. you know, my lane is my lane. Your lane is your lane. Just like you mm -hmm. have a road and a journey as do I. Mm -hmm. And, um, it, it was interesting. I watched, um, part of a couple weekends ago, I just spent listening, you know, watching documentaries. And one of the women was asked at one of these places that is like a f fast fashion brand. Mm -hmm. Um, they said, well, they, the people in Bangladesh are making $3 a day. Right. And they mm -hmm. said, how do you feel about that? And she said, well, at least they're making $3 a day. And I'm like, Oh, you know, I'm like, mm -hmm having a response to it and the truth is is that things are as they are and we mm -hmm. do contribute and at the same time it's not from like i cannot do everything right yes i personally right. cannot do everything right. and so that's right sometimes like i have a series of photos that i might share on social media and it's like just me and ice cream um mm -hmm. and so it's like to bring some levity it's like this is me working working on my bikini body right, right. eating mm -hmm. ice cream and i'm okay with that because mm -hmm. sometimes that's where i am you know yeah. so if you're listening um I will provide a lot of resources and I know I'm going to get some from Maytony as well. Um, CampaignZero.org is one of them. Um, just to kind of look at what um, Maytony was sharing with us about that organization and the link to Black Lives Matter um, amongst other things. But you, like I only have a confined period, whether it's on the planet in particular and in a day and nothing's guaranteed. Right. And That's so right. my attention can only be on one real thing. Like if I'm going to do That's anything right. well, it's probably right. best to just focus my attention on one thing at a time. Um, yes. And mm -hmm. then redirect, you know, and go somewhere else. And if I need to, which leads me to my last question for you, um, sure. is what is self-care to you or what do you do? How do you self-care? Yeah. Okay. So this is great. I was just... And also, I'll, I'll, I'll share this with you too, just so yeah, you totally. share it with your listeners. But uh, my <laughs> friends have this great little following that they're doing. It's, it's almost like an ad hoc um, podcast sort of situation where they, it's called Manifestation Bathtub. So I, I got to be a guest on Manifestation Bathtub. Oh, I love that. <laughs> where it's the two of them, they're a lovely couple, and they were, I was staying at their house in san diego and they were in the bathtub and i saw that they were on so they invited me <laughs> whatever so we were just talking about boundaries we were talking about boundaries and and red flags that was their subject it was how do you know you know you're call you're trying to manifest you're trying to bring some call things in and then there are red flags and i talked about the similar very similar thing this thing about being honest with yourself that I think is, as I'm learning, as I'm going forward in my life, as I, as sometimes I'm an ear for some of my friends 
And sometimes I am, I'm someone who is very empathic. So my boundaries can be permeable just by emotionally. So if I'm honest with myself, like really honest with myself and get out of a place of, is this going to make me look good? Do I want to do it? Do I want to engage in, in it? Do I, must I engage with it? Right. It's like, I, I get my Cox cable bill. I can't be like, no, it's the boundary. Like, of course, I mean, I have, I have to pay that. I have certain responsibilities. I have to pay that bill. That's not what I'm saying. But I have to be honest with myself about the things where there is um, choice, or at least that I'm choosing to believe that there's choice, right? Um, and that is where, where if I'm honest with myself, then I can construct boundaries. If I can construct boundaries, then I can preserve my energy. If I can conserve my energy and focus my energy, you know, then I, that is how I best care for myself. That is, that's, I think that it always stems from that. I'm not someone, I envy those people who have a very clear and solid routine. That is a, a direction with which I want to head. I don't have that right now. Right. Especially considerably, especially the last couple of weeks, I was just in San Diego for San Diego Comic-Con. Before that, I was in Atlanta for a production of Macbeth, living somewhere that is not my home. So all of that, like for the last, oh God, nine weeks or so, I've not lived in my own space. So it's hard to construct something that is a routine, but I do find structure I do find boundaries to be very freeing. I do find that that's the best way for me to take care of myself. So that is, I think really, I mean, I could riff more on that, but that at the end of the day is, is, is what I have to offer. And I think, you know, it has to do with honesty. Sometimes we say yes to things and we put on, we sow the seeds of resentment by That's saying right. yes. And, we, and then we foist it on the person we said yes to sometimes. We, yep. We do that, right? Where it's, hey, can you make um, three dozen cookies for the bake sale? <laughs> and the bake sale is very important. It's for an organization that you love, right? And it's going to raise some money for an organization. And you say yes. But really, you're like, I, in no way... Do I want to make some home homemade cookies from scratch for this big, big sale? I don't have, it will just be one more thing. And yeah, it's only an hour here or like 90 minutes there, but it's also like the time it takes for you to go to the grocery store. Da, 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 so it ends up being a three hour situation. Yeah. And yeah, it's only three hours, but somehow you get resentful. You create a story in your head about, Oh, I could have been doing this. I could have been catching up on Game of Thrones. I could have been reading this book that someone lent to me. I could have been doing my taxes. I could have been um, writing out all my goals and reading Tony Robbins. I don't know what it is. Right? <laughs> like whatever right. could have filled that three-hour time, or I could have been taking a bubble bath. And then the, when you come and get those, when you make those cookies and you deliver the cookies to the person who asked you to make the cookies, you are fuming by that time. <laughs> and you have said all kinds of nasty things to this person, this poor person about like, you're always asking me for things. I'm always the person to show up and do the thing with the cookies. 
and this and that, the other thing. Everybody else is unreliable. I'm the person who's reliable, right? Like you've constructed this thing where being your story of being reliable is important. Therefore you make the cookies. Therefore you show you are the overworked person. Therefore you always are the person who's being asked in the first place. None of that stuff needed that would, that's ultimately all on you because you right. could have said no because you wanted to say no. And that was an, uh, that, that was an easy no. That, that's not uh, saying no to paying a bill that, right. and that has certain kinds of ramifications. This was, this was a, a, you know what, next time. And that person would have <laughs> been like, oh, okay. And they could have been like, oh, we really need some help. You know? It's like, yeah, but I will be best serving you. I know that I just know myself and I would be you know, those cookies would be filled with my hatred if I were to make them. <laughs> so you're not actually going to be selling a high quality cookie. Right. But next time, you know, and, and it, maybe it's even something like you're always asked to do a particular thing because you're good at it. Sometimes we say yes to things that we're good at, but not the things that we want. So maybe like you, how you really wanted to best serve this organization was to you know, help organize a race because you're a runner and you love that, but you're stuck baking cookies. Right. <laughs> right. So every time you're asked to bake the cookies, it's another thing about sowing the seeds of your resentment. Right. When you could have been expressing, hey, we should do a 5K and I've always wanted to put one on and we should do that. And then it would be like, so someone asks, can you bake the cookies for the bake sale? You know, I know I'm great at baking cookies. Thank you so much for asking me. I love that you did. I love that you came to me. But how I can best serve you is actually, you don't know this it's about me, but I run all the time and I mm -hmm. love it. And I know I've never put one together before, but I would love to figure out how to make a 5K happen for us. And then I would be like, whoa, what a great comeback that totally. is to, to being like, as opposed to you giving the cookies full of hate <laughs> that are being sold and <laughs> selling resentment more everywhere else, you know. Poor um, cookies. More <laughs> made, made with hate. <laughs> cookies made with hate. TM, trademark that. Right. No, that, you know what? That is so good, though, because we need boundaries. I believe all people, little people need boundaries. Grown folks need boundaries. It is incredibly important for us to have boundaries. And I'm pretty decent with boundaries. And you are too, actually. One of the things, you and I went back and forth and I said, oh, it'll only be an hour. And you told me what that actually meant to you, you know, what yeah. an hour actually was. And I was like, <laughs> I hadn't thought of it that way. Thank right. you, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the last time we yeah. talked, I said, well, here's what it looks like, you know? And you were like, yeah, I appreciate that because... And that taught me something, you know? So as long as we are, I do have faith in humanity. Um, as long as there's, humi there's humility and a willingness, you know, to really hear one another and say, okay, because I could have taken it the wrong way and been like, well, F her. Like if she doesn't want to be on here, she doesn't, you know? And then, right. but then who, who gets hurt, right? I get hurt because I didn't right. get to connect with you and I didn't hear this stuff that you, you know, you've really shared a lot of really great information and great insight and your own lived experience. So I would have missed that, right? Selfishly. Mm -hmm. But then listeners would have missed that as well, you know? So it's just better if I ask questions, listen more, 
talk less um, and really connect with humanity. So thank you girl so much for um, agreeing and being able to, even though you don't feel a hundred percent with the sniffles and such. This was great. This was, this is great. Thank you so much for having me. Oh yeah. It's it's good. Perfect. Mm-hmm. That's that's always the beauty, um, how the divine works. So I will read two stories, friends, for us um, from Humans of New York stories. So it appears to be four young girls. Um, two are wearing hijab and two are not. And one of them told the photographer, um, my dad says I'm going to be a doctor. So there you go. Um, and then a philosophy professor says, I'm a philosophy professor. Um, that appears to be a man sitting on a stoop by a gate. I tell my students never make an exception of yourself. People like to make exceptions of themselves. They hold other people to moral codes that they aren't willing to follow themselves. For example, people tend to think that if they tell a lie, it's because it was absolutely necessary. But if someone else tells a lie, it means they're dishonest. So never make an exception of yourself. If you're a thief, don't complain about being robbed. So there you go, which some of that touches on what Maitany started with or opened with. So, all right. Well, thank you again for being here. Glad that you were able to come. So friends, I will include in the show notes many of the different links and topics that Maitany brought up. Um, and ways to connect and contact her um, social media and all the ways. And um, hopefully she'll send me over a link to her own page so that you can follow her, not so much on social media to see where she's performing because she's an absolutely amazing actor. All right. So friends, thanks again for listening to this episode. This is the Type A Hippie Podcast, Cheatcast episode 59. Um, subscribe, share it with your, your loved ones, review it. Let me know what you want to hear and who you want me to speak with. I honor the, I honor the place within you where the entire universe resides. I honor the place within you of love, of light, of truth, of peace. I honor the place within you where when you are in that place in you and I'm in that place in me, there's only one of us. So remain grateful friends. Until next time, my name is Chidima, and this is the Type A Hippie Podcast. Namaste.